Welcome to the Sterling Foursquare Church Podcast. Our mission is to offer hope for the broken, lives that are thriving, the equipping of believers, and the launching of leaders. More info can be found at sterlingfoursquare.com. Thank you for joining us today. We are continuing our sermon series, As It Is in Heaven. We've been in this for a couple of weeks, and we started with the framework that when Jesus began his ministry, he began with this declaration that the kingdom of heaven has come near, or the kingdom of God is at hand, depending on your translation, and really it was an announcement that the way things have been lived around here don't have to be lived around here that way any longer. It was a declaration that there was going to be a new way for you and I to go about living life and to enjoy the presence and the person power of God. And so he makes that announcement. And we've been looking at that over the last couple of weeks, what it looks like for you and I to live a life as it is in heaven, that we would align with uh, really the part of the Lord's prayer that would suggest that your kingdom come and your will be done. You guys all know this, on earth as it is in heaven. Look at you, the best students are at this service, absolutely. And so we've talked a little bit about having that as an expectation, um, that there really is a tension that is presented in your life because of that, because as you begin to align uh, the trajectory of your life with following Jesus or living out that paths of righteousness or applying kingdom principles to your life, you're going to feel the pressure of the world come back to you and say, whoa, 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 that's not the way that we do things around here, right? And you've felt that, you've got that tension. So we've been uh, really wrestling that out uh, in that first week, recognizing that and discovering that there's, there's a better way for you and I to go about living and experiencing Life. And then last week, we started um, to unpack that at the center of the kingdom of God and the work of God in our lives, that that activity is begun or is catalyzed by the love of God. That before we see the power of God demonstrated in our life, even in the life and ministry of Jesus, before it was the power of the kingdom of God that was being demonstrated, it was the love of God that was being demonstrated. And oftentimes, even in the miraculous moments of Jesus' ministry, he was moved by compassion for those that he was about to impact by the power of God. And so we've kind of set a a foundation or a framework for us to begin, but we're going to move into this truth. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 20, Paul doesn't pull any punches when he says it very, very succinctly and very directly. He says this, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. The kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. And what I would suggest to you is that many of us, we've gotten comfortable with maybe talking about Jesus. We've maybe gotten comfortable in talking about Scripture or maybe talking about going to church. We may be comfortable in talking about or framing out maybe our thoughts or our opinions about all of those things. But what is really needed for you and I to live a life as it is in heaven is that we're not just talking, but we are demonstrating the power of God in very real and tangible ways. The way that God has impacted your life, the way that God has changed your life should be at the forefront of your conversations, should be at the forefront of your invitation to others to experience that. And you should even have kind of this bold faith that wants to invite them into 
that opportunity because those things are transformative moments. They transform us from the inside out. And I remember as a little boy uh, bumping into this idea that God was powerful and that God answered prayer. And it was really something that revolved around my mom being at the center of this moment. And I was three or four years old. I don't actually remember the age, but I remember the house that I was in. Anybody have memories? Just kind of like it was the greenhouse. And so that's how I know this one. The greenhouse was an an older house uh, in eastern Oregon. And down the middle of the hallway, we had shag carpet. Oh, yeah. So that kind of puts you into a time frame of of when this was. Uh, And this was before shag carpet came back. It was its first trip around, right? And so we had this shag carpet in the living room, and, and I remember I was in, or, uh, in, in the hallway, and I was in the living room, and I remember my mom was coming down the hallway or coming out of the bathroom there, and she hit her hand against one of the door jams. And in doing so, one of the prongs on her wedding ring snapped off, and her centerpiece diamond in the ring that my dad gave her just went off into the shag carpet in the hallway, right with that one super old ghetto 70s glowing light there. Like, I mean, you couldn't see when the light was on, let alone when it was off, and it just disappeared into that carpet. And I remember just, again, three, four years old, something like that, being enlisted to help my mom and help my dad look for really this needle in a haystack, only it's a diamond in a shag carpet. Same thing, right? So we're on our hands and knees, and we're doing like the whole thing, just kind of moving our hands to the carpet, trying to hope, find something. We're looking into the bathroom on the floor there. Maybe maybe it spilled into that place. And I remember after uh, several minutes of it just feeling really futile, I remember my mom saying, hey, we need to we need to stop and we need to pray about this. And we were already on, on the floor. We were already on our hands and knees. What a great place to just go ahead and start praying. We were in this desperate place already. And I remember we stopped and we prayed and asked the Lord to help us to find that diamond. And I was a passive uh, participant in that, in that moment. I was just kind of there, uh, but it shaped, it, it shaped my thoughts because we got done with that prayer, and my dad ran his hand through the carpet like this, and that diamond popped right up, and he was like, here it is. And, and it, it was, it, it, it may not seem miraculous to everybody, but it was to me. And it was an instantaneous, immediate answer to prayer that demonstrated his goodness, it demonstrated his power, it demonstrated his very real presence and ability to transform my situation. And, and what I learned from that at a very, very young age were three things. One is that when I need God to move in my life, I can ask. I can go to him in prayer. And the second thing that I learned in that moment was that the kingdom of God is about a power that transforms my life transforms the immediate context of the circumstances that I'm in. It changes my situation, and it also changes me in doing so because it, it changed my perspective and my understanding of who God is and what He would do and what He would care about and how He would answer. And then the third thing that I was reminded of is that we got to actually be part of that. We got to partner with God in really this miraculous moment that there was this prayer and there was this power of God demonstrated, but there was this partnership as, as we continued to do our part to seek and to search. 
And as we shift our attention to this idea of as it is in heaven, if you're going to experience the kingdom of God in your life, if you're going to experience the presence of God at work in your life, if you're going to experience life counter to the way that the brokenness of the world works and you begin to live life differently and to experience the presence of God, there is going to be this model or this template that you have an opportunity to participate in that's going to bring that about to fruition, this idea of prayer and this idea of the power of God being present and active in your life, and then these opportunities to partner with these significant moments where God moves. And for, for most of us, we are probably at least a little bit familiar with prayer. And I can tell you that you're more familiar with it when your life is falling apart because our prayer life gets really put together when the rest of our life is falling apart. Our desperation has a way or a tendency of moving us into that place. And, and many of you have had maybe places in just the, the goings and comings of your life where you have sensed an opportunity to maybe be used by God or to speak a truth or a word of encouragement or be a part of something that God is, is doing. And you may have sensed that. But what I would suggest to you is oftentimes our praxis is that we're good at praying for God to do something, and then we're really good at sitting on our hands and waiting for Him to just kind of come through for us. And what I would suggest to you is that if you're going to experience heaven on earth, His kingdom come, His will be done, it's going to be in partnership with you. You're going to, you're going to have to exercise some type of action to participate with the Lord. When we were on our hands and knees praying over the shag carpet, hoping for a diamond in the rough to come to the surface, we didn't get done praying and then go back to the couch, eat macaroni and cheese, and watch the A-team. We kept searching. We, we, we continued to move. We, we partnered with God in that, uh, in that moment. And what I would suggest to you is that as we've been talking about uh, the kingdom of God impacting our personal lives, our friendships, our relationships, our partnerships, we looked at that last week, the idea of contending for a move of God in northeast Colorado, that he would move not just in our uh, persons or in our homes or in our community, but in our region, that in that, we have, to, we have to answer this question. You have to answer this question. Are, are you willing to partner with God in kingdom opportunities? Are you, are you willing to partner with God in kingdom opportunities in ways that he would plan and purpose for your life to make a difference, to change somebody else's life by introducing them to who he is and what he does by participating hands-on in the things that God is trying to do and move and exact in our community? Are you willing to be a part of that? Because what I will tell you is that many of us are asking for God to change our community, but we're not a part of anything that God's doing. We're petitioning for God to change our families, but we're not taking steps of bold faith to stand in the gap or to intercede or be a part of what God is doing in that place. We have desires that we offer to the Lord, but then when he gives us an invitation to partner with him, oftentimes we just kind of stop short there. And what we're going to look at today is that the model that Jesus gives us is not that model. That the model that Jesus gives us is a model of prayer and a model of power and a model of partnership. If you've got your Bible, go ahead and get that out and uh, raise it up. If you've got your smartphone or your tablet, we to invite you to open up your Bible app. We're going to be in the book of Luke just shortly. Lord, we ask that you would give us soft hearts to receive from your word today. 
And Lord, that we wouldn't just take in your truth, but that we would develop a, a courage and a desire to act on it. Lord, that we wouldn't just know uh, about you, but that we would walk with you into the fullest expression of what you would be doing in our lives and in those around us, that we would partner with you, that we would make a difference in our spheres of influence, our friendships, our relationships, our partnerships, Lord, in our community, in our region, Lord, that it would be as it is in heaven because of our partnering with you and your power. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you got your Bibles up, and I know that some of you do because I made you raise them up, go ahead and open up to the book of Luke. We're going to be in Luke, um, the kind of the early chapters there. We're going to start in Luke chapter 3. We're going to get there in just a moment. But as we take steps in this series to actually live out heaven on earth, as we uh, look to experience the kingdom of heaven near or the uh, kingdom of God now or his will on earth as it is in heaven, we're going to be looking at Jesus's model for us. And then we're going to be looking at his mandate. That's kind of like your, your marching orders or maybe kind of a process to walk through. And then we're going to be looking at our one-year missional focus as a church. So that'll frame out kind of the direction that we're going. But we're going to start with Jesus's model. We're going to start with what we see Jesus do and demonstrate so that we understand what he invites us to be a part of when we move into that place. And as we started this series, we began with Jesus's announcement, right? We, we began with the beginning of his ministry where he said, repent, change, uh, turn your mind around because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of God is now that the way things are, aren't the way that things have to remain, that you can live differently, that you can experience the kingdom of God now that you can experience heaven on earth, that that was his announcement. We're going to move actually prior to that. So we're going to go a little bit further. We started with that, move forward with the idea of love being the catalyst, but we're going to move backwards just a little bit. And we're going to look at before Jesus actually began to preach, speak, act, do, before he began to do any of the miraculous things that we all celebrate and that we all put our faith and our hope into, we're going to look at what he modeled prior to demonstrating the power of the kingdom of God. In Luke chapter 3, verse 21 and 22, it says this, when all of the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. Okay, so if you uh, are familiar with the New Testament, if you're familiar with kind of the, the gospels, you would know that they all highlight in some form or fashion Jesus' baptism, that John the Baptist came and he was uh, kind of leading a revival of repentance and change, that people were looking to change their ways and kind of repent and align their hearts with the Lord. And that on the backdrop of that, it says that Jesus was baptized too, an interesting thought to kind of wrestle out um, in the context of the Gospels. He says, this is important for me to do to fulfill all righteousness. There was something important about what was happening here. But we're going to look at the rest of the story in the context to frame out the beginning of his ministry. When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my son whom I love and I am well pleased. And all four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, all of them record Jesus's 
baptism in some form or fashion. Matthew, Mark, and Luke all do it in detail where they're like, hey, he was here and this is what happened and the Holy Spirit comes down as a dove. John gives a a, a bigger macro picture, but he identifies the idea that the Spirit of God came and rested on Jesus and stayed there. We're going to get to that in a second. But they they all highlight this as being uh, preemptive to any ministry. Okay, so before, before this happening, Jesus wasn't preaching, Jesus wasn't teaching, Jesus wasn't uh, working the miraculous, he wasn't demonstrating the power of God, he wasn't calling any, anybody to a new experience. Up until this point, for 30 years, he'd lived just like you and I, kind of in obscurity, just doing his thing, right? And, and so up until this point, things were pretty normal. After this point, everything changes. That's going to be important for us in just a moment. Now, if you were going to continue through the Luke narrative, and we're not going to read all of this at length, but you can go ahead and read the rest of chapter 3, and you can read on into chapter 4 on your own this week. But as you begin to move through Luke's narrative, you get to Luke chapter 4, verse 1, and it says this, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. And so what, what, what Luke goes out of his way to let us know is that at this point, when Jesus was baptized and the Holy Spirit descends on him in bodily form, that when he left the Jordan, he was now full of the Holy Spirit, not something that was spoken of prior to him before this moment. That there was something significant about this moment and all of the gospel writers recorded where the Holy Spirit is now present in person and in power in Jesus. And it's such a strange thing for us to entertain because he is the Son of God. Right? And so then you start wrestling out kind of Trinitarian theology and all of that stuff, and some of you are getting bored already. But it is significant to know that Jesus wasn't doing any of the demonstrating of the power of God until the Holy Spirit was partnering with him to do that. And Luke goes out of his way to let us know that Jesus was now full of the Holy Spirit, and the Spirit of God led him into the wilderness. If you were going to continue into the narrative, you would know that he went into the wilderness and he was tempted by Satan with all of the shortcuts that he could take to just have earthly power, and he resisted all of those by the word of God. That's another message for another time. But all of the gospel writers highlight Jesus's temptation in the wilderness as well. Both of these are important and significant, not just for his ministry, but for the model that it sets for you and I. And so what happens here is Jesus is spoken of in this way, and then you move through the temptation. He comes back out of that wilderness, and he returns to Galilee And in Luke chapter 4, verse 14, it says this, Jesus returned to Galilee, look at this again, in the power of the Spirit. And news about him spread throughout the whole countryside. So Luke kind of takes a shortcut on us, right? So the way that Luke rounds this out, Jesus is baptized, the Holy Spirit uh, descends on him, and at that point, Luke changes his language, and now it says that Jesus is full of the Holy Spirit, that he's going in the power of the Spirit, that he's being led by the Spirit. That's all the language that he uses. And then Luke takes a shortcut. He doesn't tell us any of the things that Jesus is actually starting to do. He just says that news about him spread everywhere. Well, why? Because he was baptized? Why? Because he had gone through... No, because of the things that Matthew and Mark tell us, because now is when he begins to say the kingdom of heaven is now. The kingdom of God is present. Your life can change, and I'm going to demonstrate it. And in the other gospels, you see that it's after this event that he begins to work the miraculous. 
It's after this event that all of the wild and miraculous things start taking place in Jesus' ministry. Verse 15 of Luke chapter 4 says that he was teaching in their synagogues and everybody praised him. Luke is just kind of couching over this whole time frame. But what was happening is Jesus was going, calling people to repentance in a way where they would experience the kingdom of God. And then he was demonstrating the power of the kingdom of God through the miraculous. And the lame start to walk and the blind start to see and everything starts taking off from this point. And it's important to recognize that in kind of this model here, you see this um, kind of these, these three things present. Okay, this idea of power, this idea of prayer, this idea of partnership, this idea of participating in the things of the kingdom of God. If you go back to Luke chapter 3, Jesus comes and he's down there and he's going to get baptized. He says, it's, it's important for me to do this to fulfill all righteousness. But Luke gives us this little caveat, and it was while he was praying that heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended. Pr- prior, to that, prior to that activity, Jesus was praying. He was setting this as an example. In fact, in Jesus' ministry, it says that he often withdrew to pray. It was something that was a a disciplined part of what he was doing. Uh, He goes out of his way to say that, hey, the things that I'm saying and the things that I'm doing, I'm hearing from the Father and I'm doing what the Father said. I'm not just making this up on the fly. Like that I'm, I'm in touch with the Father and the Father is speaking and using and demonstrating, like all of those things. And that's the model. That's the model of the way that the kingdom of God is supposed to work. For you and I to see heaven on earth, for you and I to see the miraculous or to see the transformative, for us to see people without hope find hope, for us to see lives thrive, for us to see people transformed from the inside out, it needs to begin with prayer. We've got to be moved by prayer. And I've heard it said before, and there's maybe some truth to this. I've, I've, I've heard people say, hey, our prayers move the heart of God. And that, that's true to a point. But I can tell you more often than not, my prayers move me towards the heart of God. It's in pressing into the Lord that I get close to. When I'm, when I'm spending time with the Father, I begin to develop the heart of the Father for the world around me. It goes back to that love that we need to be the catalyst for the power of God being demonstrated in our lives. Not a love that we can manufacture, not an earthly love, but the love that we talked about last week, which is God's love. And so we begin with prayer because it draws us to the Father's heart. And then we begin to see and recognize and understand the world in relation to the the way that the Lord sees and the way that the Lord desires to move. And we begin to catch that heart. And then from that point, it's after that idea of this prayer, it says that the Holy Spirit descends on him. And it's at this point that John in his gospel tells us this, that the Holy Spirit came upon Jesus and didn't leave. In fact, the way that John phrases it, it says that the Holy Spirit remained on him. And later in his ministry, at the end of the Gospel of John, that's the promise that Jesus gives his followers, that you're going to receive the Holy Spirit and it will remain. In fact, the Holy Spirit is going to take up residence in you. And then you get into all of Paul's writings about you being the temple or the residence of the very Spirit of God. But prayer starts as kind of this catalyst, and then it moves us to this place of power, full of the Holy Spirit, in the power of the Spirit. And then it's in partnering with that. It's after this point, as Jesus is now full of the Spirit, or moved by the Spirit, or led by the Spirit, or walking with the Spirit, all of that language is something that's used. It's after that point he begins to go and he begins to speak 
preach, teach, and do all of the things that were drawing people's attention to the fact that something significant was happening. And his preaching and his teaching was more than just, hey, you need to be saved for someday. Like when you look at the significance of what Jesus did, lives were transformed, communities were restored. It was as it is in heaven was being experienced in people's lives. It was uh, something where the move of the Spirit of God was forever changing people and places. And that model and that expectation is supposed to be yours and mine today. That we would be people of prayer and power and we would be partnering with the Spirit of God to do and act in ways where people and places are transferred, where they're never the same. And most of you have a part of your story that you could say, that's exactly what happened to me. In this moment, I met God, or in this moment, the Lord demonstrated his love for me. In this place, I fell to my knees in desperation, and I was saved. In this place, I was delivered. In this place, that I was set free. Like, we, we have those stories, and we kind of understand those. And then we have, like, this longing to see God move in a significant way in the community around us. And we'll say, God, would you please move? And he'd say, I would love to. Can I move through you? And we'll be, oh, well, let me get back to you on that. And there's a variety of reasons why that can take place, but the model is prayer, power, and partnership, that you go and do and you act uh, in, in partnership with the things that God is doing. In, in John chapter 14, verse 12, Jesus lays out the expectation for his followers, and it's kind of a scary thing because he raises the bar really, really high. And we move from Jesus having modeled what it means to be a part of the kingdom of God to now giving his disciples marching orders. This is a mandate that he gives them as their expectation or their framework for moving forward. And in John chapter 14, verse 12, he says this. He says, I tell you the truth, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. And they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. Now, this is a wild statement if you are reading through the Gospel of John from start to finish and you bump into this because John's whole Gospel focus is on the signs and wonders of Jesus' ministry. John goes out of his way to highlight specific signs and wonders, absolute, miraculous, wild like you can't even believe it stories that characterize the move and the mission of Jesus to be the herald of the kingdom of God. And then you get to the end of this, this gospel that's just full of the absolute miraculous to this place where he's recording Jesus' words and Jesus is saying, hey, everything that I'm doing, all of the works that I've been a part of, and as John is writing, he's saying everything you've read up to this point, your expectation now is that whoever would believe in Jesus, whoever would be his follower, would do those things. Not talk about those things. Do those things. Not just say, well, yeah, those things can happen, but I'm going to be a part of those things happening. The kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. And he lays this expectation out for them. 
And in the context of what Jesus says here, the next, uh, the next like two and a half chapters is Jesus teaching and reminding his disciples of who the Holy Spirit is and how he wants to work in the world through the people of God. And he lays out this expectation. We touched last week on Jesus' kind of final words and thoughts about that as we moved from uh, uh, some of what we were looking at in John to uh, Acts, where Jesus lays out the framework and the expectation for his disciples to receive the Holy Spirit as a promise and begin to walk in that power. And that, that's the model. The model for you and I is that we would be people of prayer and that we would be people of power being led and partnering with the Holy Spirit and that, that we would participate in the things that God is doing in and around us. See, we can, we can, we can frame this out as a pastor and as church leaders and as a community. We can say, hey, yeah, we want to see heaven on earth. And we could just leave it as that, just kind of like this hopeful someday. Or we can contend for that to actually be part of our experience and see that happen in the world around us. But one requires action, where the other is, is pretty passive. And for many of us, we're, we're reluctant to step into the power of the kingdom of God. And, and it's, some of it's unfamiliar. Maybe we haven't been taught. There's all, there's all kinds of reasons why that is. But many times, we just, we just don't have the expectation that God is going to move in the way that he says that he does. But Jesus said very, very clearly, if you believe in me, you get to do rad stuff. That's my paraphrase. I already gave you the context of when I grew up, right? Shag carpet and the A-team, so you'll forgive me. And the place where this begins to take traction in your life, in my life, in our church, in our community, is in the participate. It's when we begin to take steps of bold faith to just say, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try this. I'm, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to contend for the Lord to do something miraculous in my marriage or in my home to do something miraculous in my group of friends or in my relationships, to change my workplace. I talked to somebody this week who the, their, their work environment, is, it's terrible. And their heart's desire is to be removed from that environment. And I would suggest to you that the, the heart of God would be to transform that environment. See, but that, that's a perspective shift. Something has to change. I have to move from saying I want to retreat from the world because it's giving this pressure to me to know I'm going to be a part of the power of God being expressed in this world. See, and that, that, that's a mind shift, uh, mindset shift. And for many of us, like the, the idea of repentance primarily takes place first in your mind. It's what you agree with to be true. And if we're going to see as it is in heaven, there needs to be in many of us a shift that says, no, I'm going to be a part of that taking place here. Because I, be I believe what Jesus said, and I believe what he said he will do and begin to move into that. And for this, this next year, kind of like our, our year-long focus as a church family is we're contending for this in Northeast Colorado. 
We're, we're contending for this where we are. And honestly, all of you who are joining us online, and we've got people all over the United States and all over the world, we're contending for that to happen where you're at. Like, it's, this isn't just to us. We're, we want to see the move of God. I want to I see the move of God in your family, and I know that you do as well, in your workplace. We want to see people set free and step into the fullness of their identity in Christ to embrace all the plans and purposes that God has for them to be thriving and fruitful in their lives and just rock in this world for Jesus. But it requires us to actually participate, to be moved by that. That as it is in heaven, to be done around here means that the people of God start, have to start doing things like that around here. And I want to give you a place to start this morning because if, if this is kind of a new concept or if you're just kind of in your place where many of us are, where it's just like, Pastor, I'm just trying to get my stuff together, right? It took everything in me just to make it to church this morning. I'm just trying to straighten out. Like, I got my own, I got my own problems. You know, how can I be a part of God moving in the problems of this world? Like, let me give you some really simple places to start. And I want to remind you, and I've... I've mentioned this verse before, but I think it's the most important verse on the Holy Spirit in Scripture, as far as I'm concerned in the way that it impacts your life in a practical way. Luke chapter 11, verse 13 says this, if you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more Will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? See, in this prayer power partnership model that we see in Jesus, many of us can get to a place where we're desperate enough to be moved to pray. And then from there, we're not sure that we actually have the authority or the power of the Holy Spirit to do anything, and so we're willing to just kind of stay put. And then when we're offered an opportunity by God to partner in something that He's doing, we automatically tap out because we don't have what it takes. Can I just tell you that if you will begin in just these next days and these next weeks just saying, God, I want more of your Spirit at work in my life, you will begin to see that because Jesus says, Dad says yes to that, ask. Jesus says, Dad says yes to that ask. If you want to see more of the power of the Holy Spirit at work in your life, simply ask, pray, and receive that in faith. But then the second part of this, right, you ask, but then you need to act. You Just take a step of faith, just even a little one. Begin to say, you know what, God, I'm, I'm going to take this step, and I'm, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you in this. Take a step of faith and, and pray, like out loud in public. I know, it's super scary. Take a step of faith and share part of your story. Take a step of faith and hear somebody else's and just offer the little bit of hope that you have. Well, I don't know if I have enough, so just give them what you got. And if all you've got is like, hey, I heard this preacher one time say that if we pray like God listens, like then just start there. Because he does. Like just take what you know and do what you can and then begin to live it out in the community. Do some kingdom stuff. I want to leave you with these three thoughts. And I don't have time to unpack them all out, so you're going to just have to trust me on these and we can talk about it later. 
but especially in the first couple chapters of Acts and in the New Testament in general, this principle is true. The Holy Spirit is for every follower of Jesus. Okay, everyone. Salvation is available to everyone, and everyone who's been saved has access to the Holy Spirit, period. So you're not left out. Number two, Jesus says, if you ask, you receive. You want to see heaven on earth in your family? You want to start moving in faith and in confidence? You want to see uh, the miraculous start to happen in your life? Start asking for more of the Holy Spirit and partnering with Him. And the third one is this, like the Holy Spirit will always lead you into kingdom opportunities. If you ask for more of the Spirit and you are being led by the Spirit of God, you will always bump into kingdom opportunities. And I want to encourage you to be um, contending for those in your lives. I had a a friend last week ask me about the t-shirts. He's like, hey, I want to know something. I'm seeing something, right? Like I've heard, I've heard some language. I've heard like this Nico, what's that? We bring you all inside, Northeast Colorado, right? Some of you are like, oh, I totally already knew that. I know, you're the cool kid in class. But for the rest of us, okay, what's the deal? Well, in Northeast Colorado, as it is in heaven, like that's just what we're going to be doing this year. Like not Sterling Foursquare Church t-shirt, not a brand move, like, no, this is just a great reminder. Like, you'll see our leaders and staff, we've got some shirts out there. Any shirt that we, they're 20 bucks, but any, any money that comes in for it is going uh, right into one of the different partnerships we have in the community. It's not staying here, because we're developing our partnerships, and we're going to see God move in those places as it is in heaven, because we're partnering with those. Like, it's just, it's a good reminder if you just, like, write this on your hand and just be about this for the next several weeks and for the the next coming months, like in wherever you are at home, just like take a picture of this, scratch it out, put where you are, right? Johnstown, Nebraska. I see you, Phyllis. I love Phyllis. She gets a shout out. But just be willing to partner in kingdom opportunities. That brings us to that last question or that first question that we started with, last one as we end, would you be willing to partner with God in kingdom opportunities. My heart's desire would be that you would say yes to that. I'm going to ask you to stand, worship team, if you would come forward. I'm going to pray for us and close in a couple ways. Lord, we ask right now that you would move in our hearts in a way that just doesn't move us to a place of desperation for our needs or for the world around us, but that you would move us to a place of resolve, that as we are moved as people of prayer, that we would begin to proclaim the kingdom of heaven is near, that the kingdom of heaven is now, and that we would be disciplined in continuing to pray and to contend for those things. And as we are not trying to move your heart, but as we are being moved towards your heart through prayer, Lord, give us a desire for more of your spirit. Lord, that what was said of Jesus and what was said of the early church, what is said of your followers would be said of us, that we were a people who were moved full of the Holy Spirit, that we moved in the power of the Spirit, that we kept in step with the Spirit, that we partnered with your Spirit.
Lord, that we would see lives transformed, that we would see communities restored, that we would see as it is in heaven being experienced here on earth. Lord, that in our lives, in our friendships, and in our relationships, in our partnerships as individuals, that we would see that take place as a church, that we would begin to see that take place. Open our eyes to opportunities to partner with you to make a difference in this community. Lord, that it would be on earth as it is in heaven, and more specifically, that it would be in northeast Colorado as it is in heaven. Lord, we invite you to begin that work, not in this church, but in our hearts, in each one of us. Move us to a place where we are people of prayer, Lord, where we are people who are willing to receive the power of your spirit and that we would be moved to act in partnership with each opportunity that you would bring to us, that we would be used by you to bring about a transformation around us that has begun in us, that we would experience heaven on earth and that the way things have been done around here would be changed and they would begin to be done the way that they are done up there. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Action steps for you this week. You can snap a picture with your uh, smartphone or your tablet. You can catch these online. Uh, but here they are. For some of you, these are going to be big steps, right? Number one, pray with someone in public this week. I know, super duper scary. You might want to skip this. Just go to number two, right? Share a part of your story with someone at work. And then number three, if you've got those two things down, then look for any other kingdom opportunity and respond in faith this week.